It's a nice buzz in the room this morning, isn't it? What fun. Uh, good to see you. My name's Stephen, and uh, I'm one of the elders here at the church. And may I just extend my welcome to you as well, uh, particularly if you're new here today or you are a guest of someone getting baptised. Wonderful to have you in the room. And if you are part of the church normally, it's nice to see you a lot as well. Hopefully you feel welcome too. And uh, I'm going to be speaking to us this morning on the sixth part of our Buried series. And uh, this is a series we're doing from the book of Genesis on the life of Joseph. So if you know the life of Joseph from the Bible, great. Or maybe you know the stage show or the DreamWorks animation. It's that story. And uh, we've got it buried because for a lot of Joseph's life, He's just buried and pushed down deep and unseen. In fact, we had five long weeks of things just getting worse for Joseph. But today's the turning point. Today, there is good news. Things dramatically turn. We're in chapter 41. It's full of all kinds of goodness. Spring has sprung. Dawn is here. What was buried, this seed that's being pushed down to the ground, finally sprouts and actually, very quickly in this chapter, blooms and bears all kinds of fruits. So this dramatic turn around. And uh, the story of Joseph shows us time and time again that God's timing is perfect. It's not always the timing that we want or wish for. I don't know if you've had that experience. There's things that I want from God. And I often explain to him uh, that my timing would be better than his. And uh, he explains back that's not the case. But I want things today. Actually, I think I want most things yesterday. Uh, but God has a much better view of things and proves time and time again that his timing is good and it is perfect. In fact, it says this in the Bible, in Ecclesiastes 3. He has made everything beautiful in its time. In Isaiah 64, from of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him and as I said, I'm not a natural waiter. I don't like waiting around things. I'm not a very patient person. I was not very pleased when Brighton Hove Council erected signs saying that the speed limit had reduced to 20 miles an hour. And I do try to stick to it. But it's difficult. And a few years ago, I started making ice cream. It's a little hobby that I started, and I'm very good at making ice cream. You should come around my house sometime and have some ice cream with me. And, uh, but I learned through the process of making ice cream that I am not a patient person. To make a very good ice cream, you need a good custard base. And to make a good custard base takes a lot of patient stirring. And I'm like, just a low heat, get your mixture, just uh, slowly, slowly, steadily, steadily. I'm not a slowly, slowly, steadily, steady person. So I'd whack the heat up and whisk it. <laughs> I can get this done quicker. This, what is this recipe talking about? And uh, so I made several batches of sweet scrambled egg, and, uh, which is not the basis you need for ice cream. So much like God's work in our life, he does not turn the heat up and whisk very fastly. No, he stirs slowly, slowly, getting the right things in the right place at the right time with the right circumstances to achieve wonderful things upon the earth. And we're going to see that as we get into this chapter today. And so we are, the story is about Joseph, but really it's about what God is doing. And actually, we're going to, this chapter is so rich, of, rich in the things that God has done. We're going to split it into two parts. We'll do part one today and we'll do part one in two weeks' time. Not next week. Why not next week? That's right, because all the weekend are camping. Lord. And uh, so wonderful. So we'll come in two weeks' time, we're going to come back and do part two. Where we're going to really focus on Joseph. Joseph who's been buried and now being raised up and vindicated. But today, 
we're going to look at another part of the story. We're going to look at what God does upon the whole earth, just that small matter, and particularly how he reveals himself to Pharaoh. So we've got quite a lot of verses to listen to today. We're not going to read the whole of chapter 41. We've just chosen the chunks that are going to help us engage with today's passage. So turn your attention to the screens and let's listen to today's reading. After two whole years, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing by the Nile. And behold, there came up out of the Nile seven cows, attractive and plump, and they fed in the reed grass. And behold, seven other cows, ugly and thin, came up out of the Nile after them, and stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. And the ugly thin cows ate up the seven attractive plump cows, and Pharaoh awoke. And he fell asleep and dreamed a second time, And behold, seven ears of grain, plump and good, were growing on one stalk. And behold, after them sprouted seven ears, thin and blighted by the east wind. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven plump full ears. And Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. So in the morning his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was none who could interpret them to Pharaoh. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, I remember my offences today, when Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me and the chief baker in custody in the house of the captain of the guard. We dreamed on the same night, he and I, each having a dream with his own interpretation. A young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. When we told him, He interpreted our dreams to us, giving an interpretation to each man according to his dream. And as he interpreted to us, so it came about. I was restored to my office and the baker was hanged. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they quickly brought him out of the pit. And when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came in before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. I have heard it said of you, that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph answered Pharaoh, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favourable answer. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty ears, blighted by the east wind, are also seven years of famine. It is as I told Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. There will come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt, but after them will arise seven years of famine, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. The famine will consume the land, and the plenty will be unknown in the land by reason of the famine that will follow, for it will be very severe. And the doubling of Pharaoh's dreams means that the thing is fixed by God, and God will shortly bring it about. Now therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plentiful years. And let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities and let them keep it. 
that food shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to occur in the land of Egypt, so that the land may not perish through the famine. This proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this, in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. During the seven plentiful years, the earth produced abundantly, and he gathered up all the food of these seven years, which occurred in the land of Egypt, and put the food in the cities. He put in every city the food from the fields around it, and Joseph stored up grain in great abundance, like the sand of the sea, until he ceased to measure it, for it could not be measured. The seven years of plenty that occurred in the land of Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began to come, as Joseph had said. There was famine in all lands, but in the land of Egypt there was bread. When all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph, what he says to you do. So when the famine had spread over all the land, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Moreover, all the earth came to Egypt to Joseph to buy grain, because the famine was severe over all the earth. Us, and then we'll get into this. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, all kinds of wonderful truth that we discover in the pages of your Bible, Lord. Thank you for wonderful stories that demonstrate uh, your interaction with the people that you have made. Thank you even just hearing from this stage this morning, someone saying, yes, we are created by God. Thank you, we are loved by you. Thank you, you're interested in each and every person in here this morning. I pray, God, would each of us have a sense of you speaking to us today uh, from these words Help our minds and our hearts and our ears to be open to the things that you would say. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So another remarkable set of events. And uh, all that we've covered in Joseph so far took 13 years. And this chapter alone, we've covered 14 years. So a lot is happening in this story. Joseph has been thrown in a pit by his brothers, sold into slavery, been a falsely accused and put in prison, helped some guys out with their dreams, and is in a bit of the end of himself. But in the midst of all that, God knew. And God suddenly brings it out of the pit by this remarkable set of events where Pharaoh, the king of all the land of Egypt, has these dreams that need interpreting. And the butler, the cupbearer who forgot him about him last week, suddenly remembers, ah, there's a guy who knows something, a thing or two about dreams. Gets him pulled out, he interprets these dreams to Pharaoh, tells him how, what he should do to kind of protect the land of Egypt, and then gets established as a prince of Egypt, number two only to Pharaoh. And then enacts the plan that he told Pharaoh about so that all the people are saved. Quick summary for you there. It's quite astounding, really. And again, we've got this theme of dreams and God speaking to them. I thought Neville did such a good job unpacking how God still speaks in dreams. Go back and listen to that again. And we're going to spend a bit of time talking about the fact that God speaks to us, maybe through dreams, but in all kinds of other ways as well in the second half of today's sermon. But I want to start by looking at the fact that God loves to intervene in history, in our own personal history, but also on the world stage as well. And if you've been tracking with this story, if you've never heard the story of Joseph before, you may be surprised by what happened in this particular chapter. Because up until now, it's felt like a story just about one person. 
the focus is really upon Joseph. Or maybe you could widen it slightly. Well, Joseph and his family. It's a, it's a big family, but it's not, it's still, again, it's not a lot of people. But suddenly we get to this chapter, and it goes from being about one guy and his little life, and suddenly it's an expansive thing. It's about kings and nations and years of uh, kind of future planning. Suddenly this little story about this person going from this thing to that next thing suddenly gets thrown wide open. I think if I, I kind of imagine it in my head like a film, suddenly you're going to be tracking with a person, but suddenly you've got a huge sweeping scenes of, of, you know, kind of cutting from scene to scene of things being brought into storehouses, people doing farm labour and doing trades, and then the kind of the, the seasons changing and the land blighted by famine. It's just a whole swathe of stuff happens as God kind of shows what is really going on. It's not really just about this life. It's something about far greater that God is doing. It's what, not what you would expect. God has buried Joseph, not just to bring him up for his own good, but for a blessing of the whole earth, all the lands of the earth. There is bread in Egypt kept for the severe famine because of the fact that Joseph had been buried. We go from thinking that God has forgotten Joseph to suddenly in the space of one chapter, that God has not just not forgotten him, but God is actually looking to bless the whole world through him. Now, in one sense, I'd be surprising if you've been tracking this story and didn't know about it. But if you've been around Emmanuel for a while, you may not be surprised. Because this is uh, one of several times that we've been tracking through the book of Genesis. We've been doing it in chunks. And we find this kind of idea of blessing the whole world is a theme that we find time and time again in Genesis. Back in Genesis chapter 1, we find that when God creates Adam and Eve, he says, be fruitful and multiply. Be a blessing upon the earth. Take charge upon it. They're literally commissioned as that's their kind of role on the earth. We see it a bit later with Abraham, when he's kind of plucked out of obscurity, God speaks to him. Him and his wife, old in age, have no children. God says this to him. says, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. But not full stop there, there's a comma so that you will be a blessing. This narrative is central to the Bible. God choosing people, speaking to them, blessing them, but so that they go on to be a blessing. God could do it all by himself, but chooses to use people. People like you and me. For Egypt and the surrounding lands, it was through Joseph to help them through a seven-year period of famine. The church, however, has been given an even more remarkable role. To tell the whole world the good news of what Jesus has done, not to help them through a rough patch, not just to help the world through a famine, but the news that will affect their eternal destiny. The salvation of the very souls of the people that God has created. What could be more remarkable? The blessing that God has poured, in, poured into our lives is not to be like a pond, just filling it up. No, it's to be like a channel of blessing, like a gushing river. The most famous verse in the Bible says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. There's such a warning in that verse. We can skip over it. Should not perish. There's a warning in Pharaoh's dreams. A famine is coming. Your land, your people are going to perish. But hope comes at the same time. But I've sent my only son. I'm giving him. There's a promise, there's a warning, but there's also there's a, there's a warning, but there's also a promise of abundance. For Joseph, there was abundance of grain. For us, there's an abundance of grace. The first seven years, Joseph stored up enough grain like sand of the sea, it says, or until he couldn't measure it anymore. 
So much grain that it could not be measured. So look elsewhere in the Bible, we see that God's love, God's grace is also abundant. Reminds me of the passage in Ephesians 3, I love this, where Paul is praying for the Ephesian church, saying, I pray that you might have the power to comprehend the height, the white, the width, sorry, the depth and the length of God's love. So great, so vast is it. Or my favourite psalm, Psalm 103, says this, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. When God comes with blessing, it is abundant blessing. Yes, there is a warning to all of us that we must heed. Are we right with God? Do we know where our soul is headed Maybe that's a new concept for you to grasp. Maybe here is a guest of someone getting baptised. You've not had to grapple with these things. The Bible's really clear. There is a warning. There is bad news before there is good news. But there is good news. And it's abundant in its blessing. It's why Joseph was sent to Egypt. It's why Jesus came to earth. And it's what we, as disciples of Jesus, as the church, are also sent out to do. Jesus says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptising them. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. God's given us a big job to do. He's given Joseph a big job to do. He's given us a big job to do as well. To be a blessing upon the earth. That's what the church is here for. And uh, it seems almost impossible. In fact, I would say it's impossible, except that nothing is impossible with God. Egypt was large. It was a 14-year project that was needed, but God was with Joseph. Pharaoh was going to be a hard man to reach, but God was able to reach him. The land and the time that Pharaoh lived, he was basically a god. He wouldn't bow down to others, but God was able to trouble him at night by himself in a dream to such an extent that he welcomed God's voice, God's wisdom into his life. Maybe it's a person or a circumstance that feels impossible right now. God is a God of the impossible. God does extraordinary things with lives that are given over to him. Myself and Emma were with the church in Belfast last week. And it's one of the churches that we've planted out of this church. Taking these words of Jesus very seriously. Go to all the nations. Go to other cities and take this good news, the gospel the love of Christ to other places. And Kenny, Nicola, McCush and a bunch, of, a bunch of people from here and other places went and have planted a church and establishing a church. Wonderful to hear good reports from those guys. Things that God is doing through lives given over to him. And uh, this month, we're going to talk a lot, sorry, in the month of June, we're going to talk a lot about this kind of subject of being a blessing to others as we talk about church planting, helping the churches that we're already involved in, but also getting ready to send some others as well. Maybe that's for you this morning. Maybe there's a revelation for you this morning that where you are right now, please don't go. We love you being in Brighton. But maybe God wants to speak to you and send you somewhere else. Maybe something extraordinary God wants to do in your life. But maybe a bit like me, sometimes you think, really? Me? What about me? I'm not, I'm not that skilled. I'm not that great at doing all that you want me to do on the earth, Lord, and blessing others and telling about Jesus. I'm just a, a bit shy. I'm just caught up in the busyness of my life. Well, maybe you're a bit like our cupbearer, a bit like our butler in today's story. He was a guy who wasn't like Joseph. He didn't come and interpret amazing dreams. He just played the role that he was meant to play. He just pointed Pharaoh towards Joseph. He did it too late. He did it two years too late as far as Joseph was concerned. But God's perfect timing. 
Church, we are called to go and make disciples, to tell people about Jesus. But I don't know how well your efforts are going right now. Mine's, mine are a bit up and down, to be honest with you. I was in a coffee shop on Friday and I, um, was, I had to go outside to make a phone call. And I was out pacing in the street, making, having a quite animated phone call. And I came inside and I sat down on my laptop and there was someone else working on the laptop next to them. And she said to me, she says, you all right? And I was like, so you're quite animated, aren't you? I was like... Yes, I'm quite a passionate person. And uh, she said, what was it about? I was like, mm, I can't go into that. But we ended up just struck up a conversation. And she's like, oh, what do you do? This is quite easy for me. I'm like, I work for a church. I've got an easy in. And she's like, no way. I'm working on a, on a, on a website for a church. I was like, oh, do you go to church? No. So she started having a conversation about it. And I ended up giving her a car. I said, hey, come along. You might even be here in the room. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? And uh, I said, hey, come along. Why don't you come and ch- check us out sometime? And, uh, and then as I got home, I just thought about all the other openings in the conversation I could have taken. I said more about Jesus. I was like, oh, what about that? What about that? What about that? What about that? And then I was like, look at my message again. Yes, I was like, you know what? I just did the bit I did. You know, I could pick apart all the things I couldn't quite get right. And actually, they, they opened the conversation. I would have felt a bit prouder about my efforts if I'd started the conversation. But you know what? God knows. He knows what I'm like. He's put me in that position, just taking that. I love hearing about the stories of people just don't get it quite right. So Nicola and Kenny McCushy went off to Belfast. I remember me and Nicola swapping stories about just things we'd done that made us look like a plonker, uh, which are many and numerous. And uh, Nicola was telling me about a time when she was very heavily pregnant and uh, she was at Asda and uh, she was there with a little child and she was just scanning, or oh, the person was scanning the items. And she looked at the person, she could see that they were upset. There was clearly tears in their eyes. And she just felt like, I think I should probably just offer to pray for them or just tell them about Jesus' love. But she totally bowled it. She's like, no, I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm hot and flustered. I've got to get the kids. I've got to pack my bags. So she just put everything in the trolley and was walking to the wall to the car. And she suddenly thought, you know what? I should go. I should go back. So she turns that around and uh, she's like, I can't, just, I can't just push my trolley back in. So put, put all the stuff straight in the car and then went and got another item and then went back to the till. So we get very convoluted. And she, she gets there, but the woman's finished. And then she sees her walking up the aisle. So she's like, okay, I'll chase after her. But she's very heavily pregnant. So she's waddling off this lady saying, excuse me, excuse me. And eventually this woman turns around and uh, just looking very puzzled. It's like, you're right. She's like, yeah, I just wanted to tell you that Jesus loves you. And she just goes, thanks. And just walks off. <laughs> and Nicholas telling me this, like, I just wanted to die. It was so terrible. I just said, Nicola, I was like, well done. God looks there and says, I love you, my daughter. Thank you for going back. You missed the opportunity. Who knows? What, if God wants that person, God will grab her. Don't worry. Just do your bit. Do your bit, however little or however big. Have some ambition. God's called us to be, not just to know his blessing, but to be a blessing to the whole world. What does that look like for you? Is it your little corner? Maybe you have to go off to nations. Who knows? God loves the world. He sent Joseph. He sent Jesus. And now Jesus is sending you. But let's look now at Joseph and Pharaoh's interaction. Or rather, God's interaction with Pharaoh. Last week, Neville told us that in the Bible, there's 21 dreams recorded uh, that 14 different people had. Just in these two chapters, four of them appear. The butler, the baker, Joseph himself, and uh, Pharaoh as well. And go back and listen to it about that. But we're not going to focus particularly on the dreams and the method that God speaks, but rather just the fact that God does speak. And my prayer as I've been preparing this message is that God would speak to you. More to the point, would show you where he's probably already speaking to you. God speaks through a dream here, but he also speaks through people in the story, both the butler and Joseph. He speaks through the events. He also speaks by the Holy Spirit into the heart of Pharaoh. 
He's able to recognize that the interpretation is from God and that Joseph is a man from God. God still speaks today through dreams. If I'd given this sermon a week ago, I haven't had anyone recently come to tell me about how God has spoken in their dreams. But even this week, I sat with a couple at my kitchen table and the wife told me an extraordinary thing that happened to her this week where God just broke in in a dream for her Monday night and just showed her where she was off course and just needed to set some things right. She's like, I just need to come and repent. I just need to come and sort things out. It's like, this is going to work so well in my sermon. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But she woke up with just like the fear of God in her heart. This was from God. God has spoken to me. I must do something about it. And that life is on a different trajectory now. God does still speak through dreams. God speaks through his Bible. If you want to hear from God, pick up the Bible and read. Ask him to speak through, to, to you through it, and he will. He speaks by his Holy Spirit. He speaks through the words of others, through our consciences, through the world around us, the events and the providence of God at work. Yeah, my prayer for you is you would be those who are keenly aware of it. Maybe you're someone who say, I've never known anything of God. I don't know even God is even real. Well, let me encourage you. Pray, say, God, speak to me. Maybe God will even speak through my words or through the songs of worship or the testimonies that were given this morning. But let's have a look at six features before we finish of this revelation that's given to Pharaoh. Okay, they're quite bullet pointy. Try and keep up. Okay, first one, God's revelation can be daunting at first. Pharaoh has these dreams about these plump cows. Don't normally get to say plump in a sermon. Plump, fat, healthy cows. And then these thin cows that eat them up. And then these, these uh, kind of nice ears of corn that kind of get eaten up by, swallowed up by these uh, kind of thin uh, uh, ears of corn. And he wakes up and he's troubled. Often when God starts speaking to us, it can be troubling or daunting at first. Often before there is good news, there is bad news. That's definitely the case when we first come to God because we suddenly realize there is a holy God with a holy standard and that every single person has fallen short. All of us have done things, said things, and thought things that are wrong, that we cannot make up for, that need forgiveness. And we suddenly realize this huge gaping hole in our life. Our need for forgiveness, our need for acceptance, our need for love, a need of certainty of what's going to happen after the grave. That is not good news to start with. It doesn't seem like it. It can be troubling. It can be daunting. If you don't know Jesus yet, I want to encourage you. Don't push that down. We live in a society that's so busy and just vying for our attention, just wants to fill it with entertainment and ease, that we can sometimes just gloss over the hard things of life. I spoke recently about a friend of mine who uh, we've talked to him about Jesus a lot, and he's just not interested. He's been in church a few times, not interested. So just a, kind of, a couple of years ago, he said to me, Stephen, sometimes late at night, I do start to wonder, what is it all about? Where am I going? I said, what are you going to do about that? He's like, just watch some more Netflix, probably. It's a bit of a funny comment, isn't it? But it's devastating. Devastating. We'll just push those questions down. What are you here for? What does your life mean? What do you do with the things that really trouble your heart and your spirit? Don't smother it over with other things. Engage with it. Sometimes you have to go through the troubling things to get to the good things. Maybe you do know Jesus. Jesus still comes and speaks to us sometimes in ways that can be troubling or daunting. Maybe God does want to send you to another nation. 
that may be something that fills you with great joy. I love traveling. I was like thinking, no, I just want to stay here. I'm comfortable. But maybe God wants to move you on. Maybe he's going to ask you to do something that throws you out of your comfort zone. I've known this. God speak very clearly saying, hey, do this and do that. And I've said, wow, God, not, that's, that, that wouldn't be very easy for me. Or maybe God wants you to give something away, pay some kind of cost. Maybe he wants to address an area in your life that needs addressing. Something you know that's there, a little shadow in your heart. Maybe something people know about, maybe something people don't know about. Well, the first thing you've got to face is the fact that the reality of that. And that could be daunting. That could be troubling. God's revelation can be daunting at first. But two, God's revelation ultimately shows that he is good and he is for your good. Joseph, when he comes to Pharaoh, he says to Pharaoh, God has a favourable answer for you. I don't know what your view of God is. Maybe you think he's vengeful or nasty or bad. Let me tell you, God is love. God is good. He is for your joy, for your happiness, for your satisfaction. It's not always the shape we want it to be. We just want quick wins, don't we? God has a much, expan- much more expansive view of your life and eternity. That He's much more invested in your long-term happiness and goodness and wants good for your soul. But he is for you. And even when he asks you to go through daunting things, it's because he wants to bring you out the other side. He told Pharaoh about this, these kind of troubling things. Why? Because he wanted to rescue the nation that Pharaoh oversaw. We will face all kinds of trials and tribulations. That's what the Bible tells us. I've been uh, studying Psalm 23 with my daughters. We've been trying to learn it together off by heart. And it's just full of wonderful verses that say, God, your rod and staff will keep me. Even in my dark valleys, you're there with me. Even the presence of my enemies, you give me a feast. And goodness will follow me every day of my life. Did you know that the, the phrase, fear not, is in the Bible 365 times? One for every day of the year. There's many things in this life that are daunting, that are difficult. Even things that God is calling to you. But he says, fear not. Not with a wagging finger, but because he's with you. He says it with a hug, says it with embrace. Hey, yo, I'm with you, I'm for you, I go before you. If I'm calling to something that's difficult, don't worry, I've got your back. Number three, God's revelation often happens in stages. Here we see that Pharaoh has two dreams. One dream, wakes up, has another dream. And then Joseph comes, he interprets what the dream means and then tells him what he should do about it. There's different stages in which this interpretation comes. When God speaks to us, it doesn't necessarily all come in one go. Maybe right now you're looking into Christianity. Maybe you're on one of our new Alpha courses. You're thinking, I think there's some truth to it, but I don't understand it all yet. What does that mean? So let me just hang in there. Ask God to say some more. Because the promise in the Bible is if you seek God, you will find him. As you ask of him, he will answer you. But you have got to go through the stages of it. And when you're as old and long, long in the tooth as I am, you'll understand it all perfectly, back to front. All the things of faith in the Bible. There are no mysteries anymore. No. That's the rest of your life, my friends. And suddenly you'd get to enjoy the adventure. Like, I don't understand it all, but I love in the increasing sense of revelation. God, what are you going to speak to me about? One of these stages requires other people. So obviously God has spoken to Pharaoh through a dream, but he doesn't understand it. So he has to find people. He obviously goes to his wizards and magicians or whatever they are to start with. And eventually he kind of lands upon Joseph who actually knows some stuff. This is a really normal part of the Christian life as well. 
God gives us one another to help us to discern what God is saying. Often we want to discern what happens in the Bible. That's why we preach every Sunday. It's an opportunity for us to unpack these stories together. That's why we get into small groups. That's why we have Bible studies. That's why we point you towards really good resources. You can use a resource table once a month here, but there's lots of other good resources online. We lost uh, Tim Keller. Didn't lose him. Tim Keller went to be with the Lord this week. If you don't know who he is, he's a wonderful preacher from the States. Just read anything by him. Listen to anything by him. He'll help you to discern what God is saying through his words. There's lots of wonderful things. We see it in the Bible time again as well. There's an Ethiopian uh, in the New Testament who's reading the word of God and uh, he doesn't understand what it means. And you know, the uh, evangelist Philip gets in and just explains it to him. Well, the very famous Apostle Paul who ends up writing lots of the New Testament when he first comes to Christ God sends Ananias alongside him and explains to him the gospel and who Jesus is and what Jesus wants to say to him. We need others. We need to put ourselves in context so others can help us understand the things of God. If you don't know much about God yet or you've never been on the Alpha course, go on the Alpha course. If you've not pressed into your Bible in a small group recently, why don't you do that? Maybe you've opted out of small group for term after term. Maybe you've not been back since pandemic. Let me encourage you, it's not too late to sign up. Go and get in a small group with other believers and get into the Bible together. Number four, God's revelation requires humility. To receive advice from a butler, like I said, for Pharaoh, who was essentially a god, itself would have been a humbling thing. And then to get a Hebrew slave out to come and talk to him. And Hebrews, we'll find out later in Genesis, were detested by the Egyptians. They were people of the field. And they're like, no, we don't want to mix with them. So how Hebrew? And then a Hebrew slave who'd been accused of rape of one of the official's wives. The humility that Pharaoh had to have to say, okay, well, this guy can not just speak advice to me, but I'm going to sit under it, submit to it. It's a big thing. How good are you at receiving advice from other people? How do you feel even about God speaking to you? Him being Lord of your life and him guiding your ways. Do you wrestle against that? When people come and speak to you, are you someone who's open to the correction of others? I, I want to say I'm sometimes really good at receiving correction from others when I agree with it. And uh, I've eaten well and having a good day. There has to be some specific set of circumstances in which it works. Sometimes I'm not so good. It takes humility to say, no, you know what? I want to receive others are going to say into my life. What are you like? What are you like by saying, I'm going to sit under the word of God? This ancient book. I was speaking to someone this week who said, are people going to mock me? It's just an old fairy tale, they'll say. I said, yeah, they may say that. But you know what? This is God's words are life for you. The reality is, yeah, Pharaoh is submissive. He is humble. He receives what Joseph says. And we know that because a nation embarks on this amazingly big, inconvenient plan. Suggests there's real heart change in Pharaoh, a real sense of humility. And him and his servants look at what Joseph says and know it is good. Which leads to number five. God's revelation requires action. I love action. Anyone who's line managed by me, I don't have a conversation without going, okay, and what does that mean? What's next? What can I hold you accountable to? What are we going to do about it? I like a good chat, but I want to know what we're going to do. And I'll tell you, good theology means we do stuff. Okay? 
good theology when we engage what the Bible says, it means that we do stuff. We're not just to engage our minds and our kind of deep think about things. It's important to do that. It really is. We must do that. I appreciate the deep thinkers in my life. But that should lead to action. Joseph didn't just tell him, Joseph, uh, sorry, Pharaoh, the state of play. He told him what he should do about it. it. Gives him some clear guidance. And what does Pharaoh do? Pharaoh jumps to it. That's the remarkable thing in this chapter. We get like 24 hours of like, here's some dreams, wake up, here's interpretation. Let's put Joseph in place. Let's start a massive national campaign. All very, very quickly gets on with it. When he sees God speaking, he knows he's spoken. He's now going to act. When does he obey? Straight away, without delay, today. He gets on with it. When you know God's speaking to you, do not delay. Say, God, if you're speaking to me, let, let this not happen slowly because of me. I don't, if you want it to go slow, fine. But as far as it's concerned to me, I'm the one who steps into the thing you're calling me to do and to be. Is God speaking to you today? Has God been speaking to you? Maybe he spoke to you two years ago, but like the butler, and you've not done it. Don't leave it another two years. Respond today. Share it with someone else. Take a step. This is what we see in the Bible. I love the epistles, these letters that are written to the churches. They have a, real, they have a pattern. They start with wonderful theology about the gospel and who Jesus is, why we should believe, how wonderful it is, and all kinds of prayers of worship. And it says, and therefore, live like this. Honour your leaders in this way. Go about your business. Look at uh, the things in your hands and steward things in a particular way. Do your marriage like this. Raise your children like this. Why? Because of this wonderful truth about who God is. When we know who God is, when we see him, when we let him speak to us, it should then lead us to action. Not just a nod towards a belief system. We must receive this revelation gratefully and then get practical. That is the nature of our faith. It's personal. God speaks to us because he cares about us. and cares what we do with our life, with our time, our relationships, our money. Let's be like Pharaoh did. Let's act willingly and quickly. Maybe for you, you've been thinking about getting baptized and just seeing the pool and again the thing here this morning thinking oh yeah I've been dragging my feet on that let me encourage you if that's you why don't you come and talk to us we'd love to baptize you in a month's time at our next service number six God's revelation requires faith and trust we need to be all in Pharaoh didn't hang back he didn't wait for the first year of fruitfulness to be proved he didn't wait for the first plump cow-like year no he's like no I'm going to trust God right now I'm going to set things in motion. I'm going to give away all this power to this guy. I'm going to tell everyone in my whole nation to give up a fifth of everything they have into the storehouses. There's great trust he puts there. As I was preparing this, I was reminded of the parable of uh, building the houses on the rock and sand. And reality is, when, the, when I think, imagine that parable, it was kind of nice. It was a nice day. Get on with your building house. Choose where you want to build it. And you've got a choice. Are you going to put your trust in Jesus? Are you going to pray? Are you going to choose that rock-like firm foundation of his teaching and his truth and his revelation? Or are you going to choose your own way? Are you going to build upon a sand? And in one sense, you've got to choose which one you're going to do. Are you going to choose Jesus or are you not going to choose him? And you may not know at this point exactly how it's going to play out. You don't know what next year or seven years time has for you. But the Bible tells you that the storm is going to come. It may not even be in this life. It may not be until judgment day that you face the cliff edge of what it means to perish, that you realise you built in the wrong place. 
But I want to encourage you this morning. Build in the right place. Put your life upon the rock. Trusting that when the trials and tribulations come, whether that's in this life or the judgment day, that you are safe in Jesus. This house built upon the rock when a storm comes, it does not move. Because the house that's built upon the sand, it crashes, it falls, it crumbles, it perishes. There is warning there. If that's where you're at this morning, I want to tell you, yeah, that sounds some bad news from the preacher this morning. But it's because there's good news. The good news you can choose to be in Christ today. Maybe you're a Christian already, but you know right now you're building half and half. And I love the illustration that Joel, who's one of the preachers here as well, he says, uh, he talks about the train, getting on a train. You can't have one foot on the train and one foot on the platform. It doesn't go well. You've got to choose. You've got to jump in with both feet. Get on the train. Don't wait for things to get going. Build your house upon the rook. Let me finish by saying this. The seven years of famine did come. But thankfully, everyone in Egypt had bread. They were sustained. They were saved because of Joseph, because of Pharaoh's willingness to receive the revelation and to act. Let me encourage you. If you don't know Jesus yet, receive the revelation of who he is, what he's done. He's died upon the cross that your sins might be forgiven, that you might know him, you might know salvation. You might be sure of where you are going when you die. If you're a believer here this morning, be sure again as we go to the tables in a few minutes, as we eat the bread, as we take the wine, that is because of Jesus Jesus went before us in our place that we might have life and life in abundance. Not grain in abundance, grace in abundance. How's your week been this week? Do you know where you fail? Fail to tell the person about Jesus as you should. Or may you fail at falling in another area. God's grace is sufficient for you. Grab a hold of him. Let me pray for us and then Matt will come up and lead us in communion. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for this amazing story. Of this guy who went through so much, Lord God, but you placed him at the right time, in the right place, Lord, that he might be blessed, which we'll find out in a couple of weeks' time, Lord, but also that he might be a blessing. Thank you for saving the nation of Egypt over that 14-year period, Lord God. But Lord, thank you that speaks to just something much larger than that. Your love for the whole world, love for the people in this room, that we might be saved, that we might know feast in the place of famine that we might feast upon your pure delights, your grace and your goodness. I want to pray, come to my dear brothers brothers and sisters in the room. I pray they might just know you speaking, revealing yourself to them and courageously going after the things you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen.